Hey, Philip, what's going on? Hey, Brian, good to see you, man. I didn't hear you knock. I didn't know I had to knock. Fair enough. So what are we doing this week? The same thing we do every week, our podcast. Ooh, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. The show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, all you faithful neighbors out there? That's right, all of the three people listening. No, ten. I kind of feel like Mr. Rogers at this point, right? Like everyone's a neighbor. Yeah, if Mr. Rogers would pour himself a glass of scotch and sat down, you know. You don't think he had a nip down again? You know, I you know, I don't. No. I, I don't. Mr. I don't Rogers is too good a man. Or, or not. We should not even compare ourselves to him. He is too good for us. That's we are not. Point. We are not in his category. That's, that's completely But you fair guys point. have tuned in to Neighbors Don't Knock. This is season four, episode two. We're so excited to have you. Make sure you go back and check out previous seasons, one, two, and three. We've had a slew of amazing guests. You're not going to want to miss all those episodes. So subscribe today. I didn't say it. I know what you were going to say. Just subscribe. Hit that subscribe button and make sure that you catch up. But we have a, a special guest. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting this incredible person at the podcast movement in Nashville. So jealous. Still so jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. You're going to be there in the next one. I know, I know. we're going to be there in the next one. Um, amazing guy. I was I was just blown away. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into how we met, because I'm sure that's going to be a funny story that we are both going to laugh about, because I don't think we've talked about it since. Um, but he's a producer and a host of a podcast called I'm Kind of a Big Deal, Little People, Huge Stories. I've listened to several episodes, fantastic, fantastic uh, podcast, very informative. We're going to let him dive into that. He interviews people on short stature, sharing the success and the struggles in their exceptional lives. So it's really inspirational to hear and very informative, especially from someone that knows very little uh, about anybody who is has a disease or ha is a little person and has things going on. So it's really kind of cool. And I've really enjoyed listening to that and learning a lot. Um, you know, he's not just, you know, a podcast host. He's also a surfer. He's an actor. Uh, you know, accomplished musician. Accomplished musician. I know We're that's get right. Into that in a big way. I have a feeling he's going to be a director at one point in his life. He's got a lot of projects. You know, born and raised in Michigan, but he's living out in sunny California. Uh, we want to welcome him to the show, uh, Christoph uh, Zajak Denik. Welcome, buddy. What's going on? Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, and congratulations on your fourth season. This is six. So I'm really grateful to be on. Thank you. Very yeah, much. thank I you so much, that. man. We really, really appreciate you being the first guest on our fourth season. Oh, man, this is awesome. I'm so happy I get to start it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're happy to see you. I mean, I didn't tell our listeners right off, but, you know, you and I met when we were at the, the podcast convention, which was really great. Um, a wonderful, wonderful event of just creatives just being there, which was really cool. And I, I, I don't remember if you were, when we were talking, I told you, like, I, you sat down at the table and we had that interview about, hey, you know, I'm doing this show, I'm doing this show. So, you know, two creatives put at the same table. 
And it was kind of like a speed dating of of podcast. I was guests. about to ask, is that what this is? It's a, it's it's a speed a... dating of podcast guest. And I turned around, you know, to say goodbye to whoever was at the table. And Christoph sat down, and I turned right around, and and we just started talking. And I, you right away, you were such a cool and fun guy. I, I oh, thanks, man. Man, I, I could not just get enough of spending time with you. But then when you gave me the name of your show, you said it's I'm kind of a big deal. I immediately went to, man, this guy is awesome. That, that that's a lot of swagger right there to name your podcast. I'm kind of a big deal, like like, like right away. I was like, respect, man, respect. <laughs> and it didn't hit me until after we were done, you know, that you were a little person. And so, one, first of all, props to your podcast. I, I've listened to several episodes, as I stated. It is super informative, and I'm just hoping for more success as you go through. But let, let's talk about it a little bit. Thank you. You know, what is it about dwarfism that people don't understand the most about? Uh, I think it's everything, honestly. I, th- I think that's, that's the thing is it's we are so misunderstood. It's, it's really difficult to not comprehend why somebody's limbs didn't grow to a normal length. You know, you see somebody whose average height that might be a wheelchair user because they were in some terrible car accident, let's say. And so now they're disabled and for mobility, they require the use of a wheelchair. You can understand that. You can put yourself in a situation like, oh, I've been on the freeway and had a close call or somebody ran a red light in front of me. This is how that happens. You don't understand how this happens over here. Like short limbs, short stature, and all the complications that go with that are, they're just misunderstood because it's so uncommon. Um, You know, people with dwarfism make up less than 1% of the population in the U.S. And so it's, you don't see little people every day and you don't, you certainly don't see us on TV and in magazines or in messaging or advertising or, you know, movies. And, you know, it's, I, I am kind of saying now, like there are no heroes who are little people. And so when you go see comedians and they punch down when they have midget jokes or something like that, it's the, the redeeming qualities for us are so minimal in just general society that um, it's, it, it's understandable to an extent for people to not understand us and not comprehend why we're awkward or why we're, you know, we seem unapproachable or or things like that. We are just people. Let me just, I don't want to leave that off that, you know, we are unapproachable. We're just people who are very approachable and um, we live in the same world that you do. It's just, we see life from a a different angle and we have uh, different complications and different approaches to everything in this world. I appreciate that you brought the the statistic about um, less than 1% of the population in the U.S. because that was going to be my first question, right? Because I agree yeah. with you. It, it's it's something that unless we come across, um, you know, somebody in the media or or like you, or you have lots of projects going on, you know, we, we just don't come across a lot of people that have lived with the the, you know, long history that you have and that your that your you know fellow people have who are dealing with this issues or these issues i say i mean i was looking at your bio earlier i mean my gosh your first surgeries you you were just a kid yeah 
I mean, yeah, first surgery was six years old and then again at 16 and then 17. If you don't mind, just educate me a little bit on that because I was reading through here. I'm reading again right now that when you were, when you were six years old, you had to be after each surgery, I'm sorry, you had to be in a body cast, a full body cast for for, quite a long time. For my two, so I've had two reconstructive leg surgeries. Um, one common issue with dwarfism is that the, the, in the lower leg, there are two bones, right? There's the tibia, which is the weight bearing bone. And then there's the fibula and the fibula helps to make the knee joint and the ankle joints. The tibia ends up growing more slowly than the fibula. And so that's why you see little people with bowed legs. I see. Um, and so if, if that goes unchecked or if it gets too extreme, that can lead to, uh, you know, complications with walking and mobility and stuff. And so that was one of the operations that I had at, at six. I actually have non-unions in my fibulas. So ever since I was six years old, my fibulas have not been connected. If you look at an x-ray, it looks like there was a cartoon character that just took a bite out of my bone. And it's just not, it's just a blank space in between the bone. Wow. And, but you're like a, a, a diehard surfer, right? Yes. I'm the biggest nerd about surfing. Absolutely. And, that, and <laughs> I love that. I, I, I can't surf. I love the water and I'm, I don't know. It's something I want to try actually. Yeah, uh, man. Let's I'm, get I, you going. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, you know, I, I'm a big scuba diver. I'm a big swimmer. You know, love I love it. being in the water. So, uh, you know, I, I've just never had the, you know, we live in, in Texas. We have the Gulf down here. It's not really conducive for good surfing. <laughs> not unless the hurricane <laughs> comes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hurricane or like a windswell or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like once every like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, let me get my surfboard out for that one time. But, you know, I noticed that you do it. How often do you actually go surfing? Not to, not to change too rapidly from the subject, but how often do you go? No, for sure. I, so I just spent seven days in Mexico and I, serve, I surfed each day, some days, two sessions a day. So okay. as, much as, I, as much as I possibly can. Like I'm, I'm obsessed, man. I've, I grew up in Michigan and was not living near an ocean and I should have been living near an ocean. So I'm making up for lost time. You know what that, I mean? That was my next question. You didn't like the You didn't like the snow? Yeah. I mean, was it, was it the sledding? Uh, that would be the, the, I guess the equivalent to snowboarding or snowboarding. Nope. I, I there guess there we go. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. No, man. I want to be cold in a wetsuit in the ocean. I do not want to be cold in snow. I, that's fair enough, man. My, my wife would probably agree to disagree only in That's the sense fine. that she, she doesn't, she wants to be in warm weather and not cold weather at all. Southern Cal suits me, man. I, I love it here for that reason. Now, how long have you been there? 12 years. I've, I've moved back to Michigan a couple of times, so it's been on and off, but yeah, I moved in 2009 originally. Okay. Years. So you moving out to Cali, that was your choice for profession or just a change of scenery that you wanted from Michigan? For profession. Um, so my degree is in audio and video production. So I worked at two different community television stations in the Metro Detroit area. And then while I was doing that, I was touring in a rock and roll band for six years. And so I, I went around the country um, playing drums, you know, and we would have two week tours or we would have nine week tours. And I would, we also toured in Europe as well. So 
after six years of touring and opening for bands and being the headliner at some shows and stuff, you, you meet all these people. And I've realized that it was my time to move on from the band. And I had made friends here and I'd visited here and it, like, I'm staying to be. I'm yeah, staying. And, and I mean, the music industry is here. The audio industry is here. I, you know, I could, if I needed to, I could learn to be an editor or something like that, you know, in video and, the the warmth and surfing you know like i honestly this the whole the surfing was a huge contributor to my decision because i just wanted to i wanted to surf i just really wanted to that's so cool it is tempting yeah. 365 days a year of sunshine so we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna jump we're gonna jump all over the place i just know it with this conversation yeah, but okay it. so so i've got i've got two completely unrelated things going going back really quickly to to your um issues when you were growing up and having to deal with these surgeries does the detached fibula does that affect how you ride the board at all i've only started to think about that recently i hope it doesn't i don't know (laughs) i i also think that your leg is so compact you know if you're gonna break something you're gonna it's if you do something and it's so drastic that something's gonna break it's just gonna break you know what i mean like that's just how it is um I'm also just really physically active. I now I do yoga every day. I work on my balance and I work on my core and when I was in junior high I would lift weights every single night for 2 years before bed <laughs> for oh, wow. an hour. Wow. Like I would I would turn the lights off in my room or I would turn them down and I would just like do 50 like three sets of 50 reps of curls and like all these exercises i'm not gonna lie you look a lot more buff than me right now so so, (laughs) i'm just like (laughs) so but but i've always i've always done stuff that's been aerobic or you know physically active you, you know whether it was working out or riding my bicycle or you know learning to play drums I lifted my, we never had a roadie when I was touring. So I lifted my drums for six years in and out of clubs and then played that night, you know, and that's just what you do. I'm, I'm from Detroit. Like you make it happen. You know, that's, I love you. I love hearing that actually. I like that. I'm from Detroit. You make it worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what Detroiters and people from Michigan do. They just, yeah. I mean, do you still use that line now that you're out in, in, in Cali? Absolutely. I can, I can spot a Detroit slash Michigan story from a mile away, man, for sure. That's awesome. Absolutely. That that brings me perfectly into my second, totally unrelated all over the place question. Uh, Jeez. Okay. No, no, seriously. (laughs) Touring with the band, I couldn't help but read. So you opened for Iggy Pop. Yep. Okay. Which is awesome. So I assume you met him, hung with him a little bit. I still have images from that night and seeing him bounce around. He he just jumped off the stage into stationary seats. Okay. And he was in his late 60s. I don't even remember. Maybe he was in his 60s at that time. Uh, a, a really dear friend of mine was Ron Ashton's guitar tech. And so he had toured with Ig for six years at that point. And um, I don't know that that was necessarily our in, but Iggy was playing at this place called Meadowbrook Theater in, in Detroit. And it was outdoor venue, 15,000 people or something like that. And we got to open. I mean, That's unbelievable. So awesome. I, I mean, what are you going to say? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you don't I'm say sorry, no. Iggy. I, I I got better shit to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. You don't say no to anything. <laughs> you don't say the whole, no to anything. The whole reason why I asked is because I was going to ask you the follow-up question. Like you, you said, he was in his 60s. That dude. I mean, since he's been in his 40s, he just looks so 
rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow. I don't. I don't even think he's. I, I think he's got Fountain of Youth ice cubes in his refrigerator, man. Like I think anything that he drinks, he's just like, oh, Fountain frozen of Youth. in it's time. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know if it's the yeah. ice cubes or <laughs> he just looks, <laughs> it's what he's putting in there. <laughs> he just looks like 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 just hardened, and then he just stopped. Right? He's like, yeah, I was forged on on stage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he's, you're done. He's gnarly, man. He's talk about somebody who just always leaves it on the stage and always gives 150%, you know, you can't deny it. He's, he's the real deal and always will be, you know, it's inspirational. It sounds like kind of the way you live your life. I mean, seriously, like I'm looking at the long list of things that you're doing, dude, I have, I have trouble like figuring out if I'm going to brush my teeth first or put my shirt on first, you know, and (laughs) your schedule must be insane. I still have those issues, man. <laughs> Trust me, it's still. <laughs> we're well, lucky I showed up with a shirt on today because it was. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. We're lucky because then you would have been showing off like how much, how ripped you are. And where I'm just like, mm, give me yeah, my sweatshirt. Give me, give me my winter I, sweater. <laughs> I can eat a lot of food, man. <laughs> yeah, but here you are talking about working on your core. I mean, I'm, I know I'm you're like, I, I, I like did like 50 reps. I'm just like, yeah, I do like five pushups and I'm done. But I, I, I want to kind of ask ask you, you know, not going into uh, a, like more of a downer moment, but you know, you, you're talking, we're talking about all these things that you're doing, which one that's awesome. And I, I think that's immediately why when I met you the first time that I, I attached so much to you, but you know, having, you know, with dwarfism and it being, you know, giving some restraints at times, when do you find that the hardest? Um, you know, I listened to one of your podcasts and, and you mentioned how socially it was kind of an issue for you. Is that still an issue or is it physical things that sometimes give you issues it's it's all an issue man it's uh, socially i still struggle you know i i still whether it's you know making mistakes in a relationship or just having anxiety or awkwardness or i i feel like i'm a confident person and then there are times when i just don't want to approach anyone because i i you know it's, it's stuff in your past that just keeps on building up and building up and you just have to sift. Everybody has to sift through that stuff and it's tough. And for, for people with dwarfism, I think, you know, going back to what I had said earlier about being misunderstood and not comprehending and, and I really don't necessarily subscribe at this point to saying, Oh, you need to walk a mile in my shoes to understand me because nobody can do that. You know, like I can't walk in either of your shoes and, and say, Oh yeah, I, I get you. You know, like that's to me, that's not the point. The point is to say, Oh, I have acceptance for you. Or, you know, I have enough respect to say, let me ask this question just because I'm, I'm curious. And, you know, I, and, and to realize that that question isn't a self-serving question from the person who's asking it, but something that's like, I actually want to get to know you as a per I see you as a person and I want to get to know that about you and the physical stuff is always going to be there you know I, I'm sitting at a chair right now with my feet on a step stool because my feet don't touch the ground and at this point in my life I want to feel like my feet are on something solid and you know when I go to cook a meal later on I'm going to have to use a step stool all around the kitchen and I have extension pedals on my car and pillows behind my back so that I can reach. And I'm four foot four. And another thing I say is that, (laughs) you know, being four foot four, I'm not that short comparatively to other little people. Um, But every inch that you 
go down, it's it's exponentially harder for folks socially in mental fitness, um, you know, physically it's, it's a mixed bag, you know, everyone's experience is, is so different and people with dwarfism, it's, it's just so far beyond what, what people can really comprehend. And I, and I don't want to say that to scare folks away because, um, you know, I wasn't always, able to go up to little people and talk to them and approach them and say, I mean, there was, there was a long period of my life where I wanted nothing to do with any little person at all. I just wanted to keep everybody at arm's length or farther. And I'm not like that now. I want to embrace our stories and I want folks to, to have community and I want us to be, you know, a, a, a team for ourselves. And they're all in there. You know, those, those struggles are, are all in there. Well, and for all those that are wanting to learn more uh, from Christoph, you can listen to his podcast. I'm kind of a big deal. Little people, huge stories. Uh, you check it out um, on Apple podcasts, Spotify. You, per, there's, there's a slew uh, of places you can find this podcast. If not contact us at admin at neighbors and we will direct you or send you the link. Yeah. Thanks guys. But you know, I, I wanted to say this, what do you think it is about people today or are people today more accepting or more curious, like you, you mentioned for their own or for just getting to know you, what, what is it about? What is it that scare? What do you think scares people the most? I think the thing that's, that's toughest is lack of exposure because as soon as you get exposed to something, you know, if, uh, say if you have kids and a family friend is someone who's a wheelchair user, you know, because your, your kids are hanging around with somebody who uses a mobility device, they're going to be so much more comfortable around other people who happen to use a mobility device as well. It's the same thing with us. You know, the more that adults, kids, anybody hangs out and just exposes themselves to little people, it's just going to be that much more comfortable. And, it comes from the top down, right? It's, it's messaging in movies and TV shows and it's that stuff and reality TV shows and, and how, you know, the stuff that's easily accessible to us, you know, because you can go and find a ton of things about little people and dwarfism on the internet. Jokes and puns and things yeah, like and that. Painting us as tropes or leprechauns and, you know, just all these fanciful characters, which we are not. I want to get into a little, a little, a little more into this, if you don't mind, because I, I did notice that you you made it a point to mention um, in your writings with us and, and some of your background information that you really, until you're about thirty years old, you you really didn't associate with a lot of other little people. You didn't um, have that sort of openness that obviously you've come to embrace, and, and with your own efforts and your show, have really really done a one eighty. At least in America and in, in like Western culture, pop culture, do you think there's a little more? openness and willingness to to not jump to conclusions or do you think that there's the battle has not even begun like i'm looking at like like peter dinklage right and 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 how um he's rocketed to fame and sort of has embraced these roles that don't necessarily capitalize on on him um being a little person as well do you think that people are starting to come around i think people are starting to come around but it's a really slow role for that peter dinklage he's beyond incredible, beyond talented. He's, you know, just getting all of these roles and getting all of this visibility, but 
he's just one guy. You know, right. there are still there are still roles out there for you know Chucky or like the scary midget or like this these these roles that are still I mean I've worked in so many costumes in Hollywood just so many times I've been covered up with foam you've never seen my face and you would never know it's me I'm just a guy who's physically able enough and small enough to animate that foam for you I will say that in the past eight years watching breakdowns online in Hollywood, I don't see the word midget, you know, like casting two midgets for this role. Like I don't see that any more really. So I guess that's a good step in, in the direction, but I, you know, yeah, it sounds like progress, but it's also, you know, I, I get worried about that stuff, right? Because so much of it's just a checklist, like what you can and yeah, and like, like well, this is the PC actual... thing now I make sure, you know, but I, I guess it's also, bottom of the barrel man it's also like oh let's not just call them by the worst term that we possibly can you know what i mean oh they they deserve enough dignity we don't know what to call them but we can't call them that right it's what i've seen time and time again you know i've i've even worked on shows where they're like wait should do the midgets go to lunch now or like do we need them for this next shot like what hollywood is is just this like melange of you know all these folks that come from so many different backgrounds you know and and you have to put in your hours and your time and just because good stuff gets made doesn't mean it's always great stuff yeah great people that's behind the the really good stuff you know yeah yeah i i totally get it you know and i was just thinking about the way that you sort of put it with all these people coming from different backgrounds right it's like there there are a few things um there are a few things as chaotic and self-centered as everyone's role in any entertainment production, right? Oh, it's so self-centered. Yes, yeah, yeah. like whatever whatever biases and bad habits people have, if you want to see, it's like two times. It's doing a Hollywood production or stuck in traffic on a major interstate. <laughs> You're going to see everyone's <laughs> you know, worst yeah. self just kind of yeah. like come rocketing out. Or like in a surf, in a crowded surf lineup when somebody just, the people just think that, Every wave is their own. Right. There you go. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. about me. I'm now picturing you know? Point Break, like knocking, you know, when, yeah. when Keanu Reeves <laughs> is trying to catch his first wave and like gets knocked over. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. They combine years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales to offer big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page, or you can email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. And now back to the show. So Christoph, you have had, you know, as like anybody's life, you've had ups and downs, highs and lows. I, I think it's awesome to see that you're continuing to go. Not only do you have this fantastic podcast going on where you have, um, I've really learned a lot, to be honest. I, I think it's really amazing. Um, Thanks, I, I just, I don't even want to tell anyone really any specifics about it, except go listen. You're going to get captivated by the people and listening to to their stories, you're going to learn so much. And, and it's just going to make you see people differently as people, which is what your podcast does. So bravo. 
Um, and if you want to know the name of it, it's I'm kind of a big deal. Little people, huge stories. I was going to say, I'll toss a carrot out there if you want. Like you can listen to the tiniest stripper in the world, or you can listen to the first professional little person skateboarder. Um, you had me f- at stripper. So <laughs> that's yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry, my, my wife hearing this, that's not true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> deviant, deviant human being. Um, but not only are you that of a podcast host and an advocate for little people, um, as well as yourself, you are a producer. You're involved in, in acting and TV. You know, we talked a little bit about your, your music career, but you know, you're a journalist and a stuntman. Tell us a little bit more about how you got into that and, you know, because you said you started off doing your degree in audio and kind of broadcasting. How did the acting and stunt man type of stuff come into play? Yeah, the, the acting stuff just kind of happened because um, once I moved to Los Angeles, I still needed to make money. <laughs> and so because of my size, I pretty much instantly got an acting agent and she hooked me up with a pilot. Um, and so I went and, and taped a pilot and there were 10 little people or, or so on this pilot. And that was really the first time I hung around a group of little people, especially on set. You know, that was, this was my first set experience in Los Angeles and first time around 10 other little people. And I had a blast. Some of those folks that I met on that show are still dear friends to this day. And I'm not so happy about the way that we were portrayed on that show. Um, But still it was, it was a really great experience and I learned so much and I made lasting relationships. So the acting stuff just, I just kind of fell into the acting stuff. And with that also came event gigs and private parties and corporate events where I've dressed up in just about every single costume you can possibly imagine for any type of party gig holiday whatever you know and I did I did jobs where I was making 200 or 100 to 300 dollars an hour for three hours straight and it's kind of difficult to turn that cash down when you're living in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I think any actor, you know, I'm a stage actor. So, so like you say, you say $300 an hour is like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's really tough, but I mean, it's true what they say that you can, you know, the, the money will buy your exploitation for sure. (laughs) Because it's like, it's like, all right, we need you to, we're going to bring you out to do this, but you got to dress up like this much of an idiot. And it's like, I don't fault people that still take that. But for me, I just kind of, I fell out of love with it. It it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do anymore. So that's how the podcast came around. Um, They they kind of, the end of me doing gigs kind of dovetails a little bit or, or coincided with me starting the podcast. That's been the thing that I've produced, you know, the most, honestly, because I'm, I'm the one man band in this, whole situation and it's so much work but it's so much fun because I, I love to to you know shine a light on these stories and that has I think it's given me other producing chops where I'm you know scheduling interviews and I'm recording and I'm editing and I'm you know putting the whole thing together and promoting it and and is that something you want to see yourself go in that direction more as a producer or you still want to be behind the mic 
Um, I definitely want to be behind them. I think I want to I want to have my hand in both, but I am not afraid of having another producer or some help along with yeah. it. You know, like yeah, no if, if I don't have to turn my audio into a barcode, you know, like with all the edits that I'm making, if I can. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think we can intimately relate to that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about. The, the, the first time I ever touched a video editing job, I was like, who can I pay to do this? Yeah, I, yeah. I got, there's gotta be a way. I just recently got you to learn how to color code the, the so the different, you know, it lines of, of recording so you can not mix them up. Yeah. And I remember the day that you did that. You're like, Oh, <laughs> you're like, it's this color is, coded. This is new. This is great. This is great. <laughs> it makes for pretty social media pictures. No, it it's awesome. Hey, if you don't have to read and you can just look at a color, that's brilliant. This know? is true. This is <laughs> yeah. true. I love it. So, so do you think that the, 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 the pilot that you did, um, was that kind of your watershed moment to where you realized, hang on a second, I need to do more of this or was it way later? No, man, that was later. I'm just super stubborn, just bitterly stubborn. Yeah, man. I, I, I came to LA to do, to play music. I wanted to get back out on the road. I thought I was, you know, sideman material and I wanted to, I didn't necessarily be need to be on the biggest stages, but I wanted to make a living and be known as a drummer. And, you know, same thing you get paid a lot more to be on a movie set than you do to learn Bangs 40 drums, songs. Yeah. Yeah. Learn, learn 40 songs to play a cover set or learn 12 songs to play, you know, uh, a singer songwriter set or something like that. And for me, I was like, well, I'm going to take the cash. I got about three months into living in Los Angeles. I got hired to play drums on the Ellen DeGeneres show with a nine-year-old prodigy guitarist from Japan. And we played, okay. an Oz- yeah, incredible. And we played an Ozzy Osbourne tune and I, and I was so out of money at that point. I was so just gone and you know, the Ellen show paid nicely. And I was like, See, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be playing drums. This is how it works in LA. I'm going to get, you know, TV gigs now and then and we're going to we're going to have some food. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yes, we're going to have some food. This is like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then 3 weeks later, I got called by Universal Pictures to be a stand-in for a CGI alien character on a movie that was shooting for 3 months in New Mexico. And I was like I negotiated a rate and, you know, it was really good. And I was going to get a ton of overtime and, you know, I negotiated getting paid every single day because I wasn't making money as a musician in Los Angeles. And was it Roswell? (laughs) No, 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 it was, I was in Santa Fe. It was incredible. I I can't remember if they shot in Roswell, but um, the movie was called Paul and I almost didn't take the gig because it wasn't music. I was like, yeah, oh, but I'm not there's gonna... that pride. Yeah, exactly. How stubborn and dumb can you be? That's like, yeah, I think I got this city wrapped around my finger, right? <laughs> like this is, I got all you guys. I called up a buddy of mine um, who plays for a, a much bigger band than I've ever played in. And I was like, man, like I got this opportunity. And he's like, are you? What are you are smoking, you smoking dope? Like, yeah. yeah. Do you know? Do you understand that a gig is a gig, and LA is gonna be here? Go make your money and come back and play drums. You know, like it's it, it's not one thing or the other. I again, it's still this Detroit mentality of like I'm a musician. This is what I do. 
you're not an actor. You're not, you know, this other stuff that, yeah. you know, you could possibly do. Be what LA. you're supposed to be. Right? Exactly. You yeah. stick with this. You know? <laughs> and, and and that that's what was in my head. So I. You're a round I, peg. You go in the round hole. The square <laughs> yes, pegs go exactly. in those holes. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, to this day, man, I still have that that stubbornness about me, and and it, it it's it's a I just accept that it's a process. You know, you got to work at the process. You got to keep at it. You got to keep plugging along, and and you know, hopefully, every single day, you kind of do something that takes you out of your comfort zone. And and you know, I, I tell you what, it sounds like the stubbornness is actually serving you well in the end because I'm looking at this uh, recent project you've done, um, Ability in Progress. Yeah, and I see you highlighted in this rocking out on drums so here you are in you know front of the camera yeah doing your thing doing tell us thing. about this project a little bit because this looks this looks pretty cool and that is the name for our listeners that is the name of the project the project ability, ability in, in progress project progress. yep ability in progress.org is the the website that everybody can go to um and i say that this this project is five actors doing things who don't look like they should be doing those things. So there are five. That's, uh, that sounds like most actors now that I'm thinking. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes, just like, I'm, I'm, I was I'm like, pulling I can focus, relate to that. Brian, I'm pulling focus to me. This is, I'm pulling it back to me. No. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it's just a habit. It's just a habit. He's already got two, act, pegged, two actors got on pegged. one podcast. We're going to clash, man. That's how it's going to go. <laughs> okay. So um, back to the ability in progress. I got approached to to play drums on this on this project, and um, Kim Plannert is the. It's a music video. Kim Plannert is the uh, the musical artist, and Timon Birkenhofer is the um, uh, director. And it's it's this beautiful f- short film. It's four and a half minutes long, or something like that, and it's it's set to this piece of music, and the five players are doing their thing it's the, they're doing what they love there's a motorcyclist who's riding in the, you know on this on this mountain road and there's a rock climber and there's a ballerina and there's um, a model and I'm playing drums and each of us are disabled in some way and you really can't see it for the first 90% of the film after you see us as people and we're doing the things that we love and we're doing the things that that really speak to us and move us and how we want to be identified, then you see our disability. And that's, that's the whole thing is to, is to showcase how folks are impressive for what they do and what their passions are. It's, it's not, you know, how getting around in a wheelchair is, is such an impressive thing. Like that doesn't define that individual, you know, it doesn't, that isn't the thing that makes them who they are. It's a part of them. It's never not going to be a part of them unless they don't have to use it at some point. But you know, it's it's just like dwarfism is a major part of me, but it's not the only thing about me. And so, you know, when, when we go out to the grocery store, I use the grocery store as the, you know, that's the place where everybody sees everybody. So good point. Yeah, you know, yeah fair enough. You, you know, folks don't see me as a surfer in the grocery store or a drummer or something like that. And so this film is trying to change the perspective and, and broaden people's minds to think, oh, well, maybe that actually is a ballerina who who happens to be blind or maybe that is a motorcyclist who happens to, you know, be an amputee. You know, it's, it's just, they happen to also be this 
that happen to also have this situation. That's great. And, you know, not only that, you have another project which lends itself to another one of your passions called Standing on Water, where you get a little glimpse of you and your surfing background. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, so this is uh, one of the coolest, most proudest things that I've been a part of for, for me. Um, in June of 2021, I traveled up the coast with a producer director who's one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. Um, it was just me and Tommy Corey. And not only did he shoot the film, find all the locations, uh, find our spots to, you know, stay every single night. He also cooked dinner every night. He recorded an interview with me. He edited the entire project and found a sponsor for the project as well. So props to Tommy, just such a talented individual. Also, my film is number nine in the series that he's putting out. Again, showcasing people doing things who don't look like they should be doing those things. For me, this film is, uh, I don't know, it, it just means the world to me. It's, it's, it shows me and my, and my full body and I get to talk about what dwarfism is, what dwarfism has been for me and how it's impacted my life and the struggles that we as little people, I feel like this is a moment where I can, I can speak for all little people in some tiny way. I'm, I'm not a mouthpiece for every single individual who has dwarfism, but I do feel like in this film, I can speak out and say, and give some insights that people might not have realized. And it's, it's shot very well. I only saw like a little glimpse of it, a, a few little clips of it. Um, but it, it was shot extremely well. I extremely well. Yeah. I, I love the, the shots of you on the cliff and, and, you know, the aerial shots and then the water. It's really, really beautiful cinematography. And where can you find this? I mean, I know I was watching it on YouTube, but is there another uh, another website or anywhere that we can go or is YouTube the best place? I think YouTube is the best place. So that yeah, just the YouTube link. And, and we'll put that link in our episode description. So for all you listeners that want to check that out, um, you can see Christoph's videos. We'll put both of his project links in our in our episode description. Yeah, and uh, stick around for the waves because there's some beautiful waves in there too. Yeah, yeah. For all of you <laughs> wannabe surfers like me who don't think that you'd be very good, uh, you know, <laughs> but want to get out there. Do it. The whole water thing. Uh, I'll stick with the land. I'll be the guy with the camera filming you do. We awesome have to yeah. put. Things. We had yeah. to put like no. Even with that, we'd probably have to put like four life vests on you just to, just, to, just to make sure yeah, if I'm hey man it. i say safety first man all the time like, so if you need life vests i 100 support it i've got a great strategy for it to stay safe in the water i stay about 50 to 65 feet away from the water that's that's exactly how i stay safe i have a friend who says every time you're entering the ocean you have to realize that you are entering the food chain <laughs> that, that, that is true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, oh, I got bit by a shark. I'm like, well, you're kind of in their habitat. I mean, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't get mad at the shark. I mean, you're just like, no, how no, dare no, you? No. Yeah, between, between that and how difficult it is for me to breathe liquid, I uh, I can relate. Yeah, that's a pretty good pretty good way to put it. Well, oh, so quick side question: as as a surfer, because you are a surfer, does that yeah. ever come into your mind? You know, something like that happening because you, oh, you see sure. you see those things happen all the time, but it doesn't stop you. No, it doesn't. I mean, I 
have watched a lot of shark attacks on <laughs> oh, YouTube, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know necessarily why I do that, but yeah, but I I have, that's like someone. That's like Philip going and watching like a bunch of shipwrecks before he gets on a cruise. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I feel like maybe maybe there's some little bit of information that I'll get like mashed into my subconscious and I'll be able to like handle a situation better. Like, than like hit their hit their eye or something or like <laughs> yeah, bop them on the gotta, nose. It, that irritates them. Thumb in the eye. Tip. Thumb in the eye. Thumb exactly. in the, oh, is that is that re, is that legit? Thumb in the eye. Who knows, man? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Yeah. Yes, it is, Brian. Put your thumb in there. Give, give it a try. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like feel like that would be I'd be the wrong person to be testing out that that shark bite suit. Um, Christoph Christoph Tusto says this this works for me. I will as soon as they get they, the film crew shows up. I'll make sure to get that out. But check out his podcast. Um. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna have some awful video show up on like the dark web in about three years, and all you're gonna hear all you're gonna hear is Chambers going, "Damn it, Christoph, you said it would work." I, I oh, could give God. you a He's lot of publicity, down. or I could take you down in one one media post. I retract my statement. I retract my statement. <laughs> Thumb in the eye, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could be here for forever, man. I, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, thank you for sharing us, sharing with us. Uh, you know, part of your story, just a small fraction of who you are and what you're doing. You know, that's that's what we do here on Neighbors Don't Knock. We expand our neighborhood to meet people who you know can let us and inform us about other things and themselves and their experiences and and hopefully to our listeners. So it, it was, it was great having you on the show. No, man, I've had so much fun. I've listened to some episodes as well. You guys are great. You're super fun and enjoyable. And I also, I'd, I'd like to offer up a suggestion because I know on one of the recent episodes, you guys were going back and forth about a uh, couch fire or a dumpster fire. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I debate. suggest you just combine them, man. Like put the couch inside the dumpster and make it a couch dumpster fire. <laughs> That would have been easier. I, we probably <laughs> debated that a little too long in the episode. <laughs> it's like, boom, it was entertaining. Done. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that would sum up a lot of people's uh, past year or two, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like couch on fire in dumpster. Boom. Yeah, that, that's about it. That, that's now what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go back and redo that. Christoph, do you have any neighborly advice for your fellow neighbors out there or those that are listening all over the world and or country. Absolutely. So I'll take this. Um, I'll just take this moment to say, if you see another little person in the wild and you feel like you would like to approach them or introduce yourself or, you know, just say hello, I encourage you to just do it. That's just another person that you encounter first hellos are always awkward. So it doesn't have to be any more awkward than just a regular thing. And I think you will probably be pleasantly surprised if, um, you know, you just take that step and, and treat another individual who might not receive that treatment on a regular basis, um, you know, in that moment. So that's, that's my neighborly advice. Uh, that's some good advice. That's, that's great. We love that. We love hearing so that. Too. I think that fits right in. We, we can apply that to almost, uh, almost every walk of life. So that's I appreciate right. you giving your, your personal take on that. That's wonderful. Honestly, well, man, I've had about 10,000 questions I didn't get a chance to ask. So anytime you want to come on the show, you have an open invitation. It's been really fun chatting. You're welcome anytime you like. 
honestly, guys, honestly, guys, like, thank you so much. This has been such a blast. I, I, I would be honored to come back on the show and, and chat again and, and hang. We'll yeah, absolutely. And you guys can check out Christoph's uh, podcast. I'm kind of a big deal. Little people, huge stories. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, just, just type it in or contact us here at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. You know, you can find out more about Christoph and what he's doing with his other projects and films, uh, such as Standing on Water and Ability in Progress. Those links are in our episode description. So it's been fantastic, man. So we, yeah, man, anytime. I'd love to have you back on. I, you know, I'm just love sad it. that you're just so far away that we can't really hang. I mean, except virtually. I'll come fly to, to SoCal, man. Sure. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm not coming. Hang. I'm not coming to Texas. You guys come out to me. The water's here. I got to take a drive down to Seal Beach if I do it. Nick's Burrito is calling my name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any suggestions Man. when we come out there? Uh, I mean, there's so much good food here. It's incredible. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's Burrito? Is that what it is? Oh, Seal dude. Beach? Seal Beach, Main Street, Nick's Burrito. It's what Burrito. we've been told, but apparently we're going to be crashing with you. No, no, the, the, <laughs> so. I'm telling you, the Machaca Breakfast Burrito will change your life. Now, now I'm just now I'm just really starving now. <laughs> but Christoph, it was awesome having you, man. Good to see you. Good to talk with you. You guys check out his podcast and make sure you check out more episodes of Neighbors Don't Knock. We drop new episodes every Friday. Go see and hear our check our YouTube channel so you can get a little bit more of fun content from us. And we'll catch you guys next week. Philip, peace out, brother. Peace.